Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Keelan McNamara, and this is your podcast for the latest in MMA. I'm Jack Kennedy, and they hit a lot harder, in my opinion, too. What is up, everybody? My name is Keelan McNamara, and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views. I am Hunter Boss. He just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it. He couldn't even do that. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. So, we had a fan question from last week from Mace. Um, Keelan's going to go ahead and lead off with it. Sorry, Mace, we, we didn't see it for the time. So, Keelan, go ahead with that. Yeah, Mace, I apologize. That <laughs> this was on me. This was bad planning on my part. So, I am very sorry, but we will get into it right now. Obviously, our very, very good friend at the podcast, Mace, sent us a message or a question, and he wants to know, where does Nate Diaz go with a win over Leon Edwards? Now, as we covered on the podcast last week, and this really came out of nowhere, Nate Diaz is going up to 170 again to fight Leon Edwards. So, Jack, where do you think Nate goes with a win over Leon Edwards? It's fascinating um, because he is going from – this is always what Nate, Nate Diaz has done. You said it um, – I think it was the last podcast we broke it. It was like Nate Diaz has been riding that Connor win for the longest time, but he's done it so perfectly, and he's one of the biggest names in the sport. I'd say he's one of the big three in the sport, um, and everybody has to watch a Nate Diaz fight just because of what he brings to it. Um, so it's fascinating. It's very interesting to see. I don't know. Um, obviously, if he beats Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards, even though he lost, not lost, even though it was a no contest um, in his last fight against Bilal Muhammad, I think he looked phenomenal. I think he looked yeah really, really sharp. And I think he's going to be one of the best contenders in the welterweight division at the moment. So if he somehow beats Leon Edwards, I think, I mean, you're talking, I think you're talking title shot. I mean, he's <laughs> such a big name. I, I, and Daniel White would never pass up on that opportunity. Just like if Connor gets one win, he's probably going to get a title shot. It's like that same thing. The money that would be made from a Nate Diaz welterweight title shot, you, you couldn't match that. Or a BMF fight, especially if Masvidal wins. If Masvidal wins and you do a Nate Masvidal BMF rematch, you have two belts on the line, the BMF belt and the welterweight belt, you can't pass that up. So um, I think he gets a title shot if he beats Leon Edwards, as crazy as, as, crazy as that sounds, and Leapfrog and some other guys that we'll talk about too. But, I mean, I, I think that's the move for the UFC and Daniel White if Nate Diaz wins to give him the belt. Yeah, I have to admit, as shocking as it sounds, I agree with you. I really do. You know, 209's going back up to 170, and he is as unpredictable as they come. You know, Leon Edwards, we spoke about it. Even though it was to no contest, he looked unbelievable against Bilal Muhammad. He looked so fast, so slick. His striking was as crisp as I've ever seen it. And, you know, realistically, he was going to beat Bilal either way. Whether it was a round or two later on, he was going to win. Now, this puts Nate in a very, very interesting position. And as Jack's outlined, I do agree with him. You know, Nate, even though he is riding the Connor win, and he has been for the last four or five years, he is one of the top five names oh, in yeah. the UFC. And there's no question about it. You know, you have your McGregors and you have your Poiriers now, and you would have had your Khabibs. Nate is in that stratosphere in terms of impact, in terms of who casual fans and hardcore fans alike know, Nate Diaz is in that realm. He's in that mix. And if he somehow manages to pull out a win over Leon Edwards, as ridiculous as it does sound, I really think you do have to put him in a title shot. 
Now, a lot of welterweights are going to be extremely unhappy about it. But then again, none of them are going to really sell the way Nate Diaz would. And, you know, if Masvidal somehow, and I do emphasize somehow, beats Kamara Usman, a BMF welterweight unification match would just be the craziest title fight there's ever been. You know, to throw what was already an amazing fight for the BMF belt into a rematch for the actual gold as well. You know, the, Dana probably couldn't have dreamt of this. And if this somehow aligns, he's going to be so happy that it did. Now, of course, those are two very big things that have to happen. Leon Edwards is no slouch. We knew it before the Muhammad fight, and we know it even more now. And of course, Masvidal has to go up against Kamaru Usman, who not only outwrestled him in the first fight, but can now strike very ba- very well too. So there's a lot of big pieces that have to come into play for Dana, but if they do align, that's the fight to make. Yeah. So thank you, Miss, very much for the question. And apologies for missing it. I'd, it was only after we recorded I realized it was in there, but hopefully that answers it for you, brother. And thank you again for the question. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mace. Uh, spot on as always. Uh, love still having you part of the podcast. So let's go ahead and roll into the regular schedule the content for today. Uh, a lot of news broke. Um, we didn't have a fight night to talk about, unfortunately. However, we do have a good one this Saturday, and we'll get you our predictions and breakdown for that on the next podcast. For this one, though, we're covering a bunch of news that came out. Um, so first up on the list is Nganu. So obviously, we just saw him beat Steve Miocic, become the undefeated world champion. We're talking about the fights to make. Well, John Jones was would be the fight to make. We all kind of agreed on that. However, the money is a situation. So it broke today that Nganu versus Derek Lewis was supposed to be targeted for, uh, I believe it was June 12th. However, Nganu can't do it that early because he wants to prepare for Derek Lewis. So what do you make of the news? It looks like they're trying to do Nganu Lewis. Yeah, this is a really interesting fight for a whole bunch of different reasons. You know, Jack's absolutely correct in what he says, and I still stand by my own prediction. Jones is the fight to make it heavyweight. Stylistically, skill-wise, the name, all of that fits perfectly. But now we have issues with John demanding money. And for my own opinion, I do think he's worthy of a very big um you know, payday, what McGregor would have referred to in a certain press conference. I won't repeat it on here, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, irrespective of my opinions on John Jones and whether he deserves the money or not, it's a good fight. It, yeah. it, it really is. Like I said on the, I think it was the last podcast we talked about this because this is where we first heard the rumors beginning. Um, there's a lot of baggage with this fight, as good as it is. And of course, that baggage is in Ganu Lewis 1, which is probably the worst heavyweight fight I've ever seen outside of maybe Tim Sylvia. And that's going back a long way. Um, now, of course, there are counter arguments to that. You know, this is a different Francis and Ganu now. This is the most dangerous evolution of the Predator that we have. You know, to go out and do what he did to Stipe Miocic, it's entirely worthy of a massive amount of credit in itself. And, you know, in that first fight, I do think he was traumatized from the Stipe fight. You know, he had just come to grips with the fact that his hype train was derailed. And I do think he was scared of the same thing happening again. So you can't defend that. 
as for Derek Lewis, you know, he is just a human highlight reel. He just is. There's no way you cannot love Derek Lewis. And he's going to sell this fight excellently because he always does. He always manages to find an amazing line out of anywhere. But he has the highlights to back it up. You know, the thing I love about Derek Lewis is that unlike a lot of fighters, he's not all mouth. He actually has the knockouts and the fights to back up his humor. And that's an amazing thing. It sounds very basic as a marketing strategy, but it's very, very effective. And it's actually quite a rare commodity too now. So I think this is actually going to be a really good fight. I think it's going to be very entertaining, but Derek Lewis has to be really careful because much as I love Derek and as much as I think he's a better fighter than he was the first time they fought, he's still prone to getting hit a lot. Like Derek Lewis will eat two or three shots to land one massive counter shot. And you cannot do that against Francis Ngannou. He will knock you out with the first or second punch. So Derek's going to have to evolve his game for this fight, assuming this is the fight that happens. He's going to have to massively work on his boxing defense and slipping in Ghani's punches and then landing with the counter. Because if he stands there to try and just eat Francis's shots to throw his counter, he's going to be knocked out before he has a chance to get anything going. And, you know, this is my ending point in this. I've said for quite a long time that Stipe is the best boxer at heavyweight. If he can get knocked out, anyone can get knocked out. And Derek can't stand there and trade with Francis. He's going to have to fight smarter. That being said, he has the power to do it. You know, he's shown it against nearly every other heavyweight there is. So this is going to be a much more interesting fight than I think people are going to give it credit for. As long as you can look past the mechanics at work in the first fight, you will appreciate this fight for what it's going to be. And I certainly will for sure. Yeah, that's a really good take on it, actually. And I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Starting with the John Jones stuff, I mean, that's the fight that everyone wants to see. Uh, and, and, and more than just the fact that it'll be a fantastic fight, it's John Jones, the heavyweight, greatest of all time fight, not heavyweight, the light heavyweight, greatest of all time fighter, moving up to heavyweight to face Francis Ngannou, who we just, we, we've seen what he can do. Um, he's not even human. Uh, it's, 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 it's amazing. That, that fight sells itself. Uh, the money thing is interesting. Um, it's it's a shame that it won't just play itself out because I know we all want to see it. I I, I honestly I know uh, Jones is asking kind of for Connor money, and and there's been a lot of pay per view talks. He's never sold a million pay per views. I think he would sell a million pay per views with this um, fight with Ngannou. Um, and but I still don't think it would generate Connor revenue because there's only one dude who generates Connor revenue, and that's Connor McGregor. So, um, I think. Maybe I wish the UFC and him could just find some sort of middle ground, which it seems like they can't do right now. Not 30 million, but, you know, in between that 10 to 15 range. Yeah. Um, and they would just agree to that. Uh, and that's still a lot of money, by the way. <laughs> that's more money than, <laughs> than most guys will be making in the UFC. So um, I, I wish they would be able to do that. But let's just talk about the fight that we're most likely going to get at the moment, which is Derek Lewis's Francis and Ganyu. Obviously, we all know how awful of a first fight that was. It was just Nothing this happened. Derek Lewis won off of landing one switch kick probably to the body. I mean, the that blue was his back out. <laughs> and the, yeah, exactly. He, was, he fought with the broken back for the rest of the fight. So, I mean, <laughs> that's that's kind of what won him the fight there. And Ganyu just kind of seemed not willing to let his hands go. He just seemed kind of like, oh, in the moment. I've said this a million times, so I won't elaborate on that on it that much. But I think he was just shocked that, like you said, his hype train's gone. He's, he's just looking to find himself again. And he lost that fight again, took some time off, came back, and then 
all the way to the top. So uh, now I think he's ready to go. I think he's he's the champ. He's ready to show what he's made of. Um, Derek Lewis it just knocked out Curtis Blades, which I did not see coming. Curtis Blades was looking fantastic. He knocked him out cold. So um, I think arguably, not arguably, I think these are the two hardest hitting guys in the division right now at heavyweight, which means the world. Uh, and uh, it's going to be, they're going to throw. I think it's going to be an amazing fight. I really do. An interesting thing, though, I do lean and Ganu pretty heavy in this fight. And it's because Derek Lewis, yes, he has that knockout power, but he has to wind up so hard to get that one. And he, if he lands that, you're going to sleep. But Nganu has that power in just straight rights now and, and, and in volume and everything and just in that. And another interesting thing is Nganu's been throwing leg kicks now and head kicks and, and, and using and managing his range just that bit, that much more. Uh, and, and Derek Lewis fights in such a kind of a flat-footed style where it's, it's amazing for power. But if you're facing a volume striker, like Volkov, whenever he was getting, he was, whenever he was fighting Volkov, obviously he won with like a Hail Mary shot at the end, which was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, but he was really getting pieced up in that fight, the entire yeah. fight up until the end. Um, and now it's because Volkov puts volume there. And Nganu has the power to match that volume. So it's going to be interesting to see how Dirk Lewis handles the barrage that I do believe Nganu will be bringing him. Because I think we both agree. I don't think this is going to go down like the first fight at all. I think they're going to go in there and they're going to throw um, it's for the championship. It's for everything. Um, and man, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Anytime you see Derek Lewis fighting, it, it, it's a fun press conference and Ganyu looks fantastic. Uh, and, and just when you look at the styles of these guys and the power that they possess, I'm excited. I, I'm optimistic for it for sure. Yeah. I'm very optimistic. And you know, Curtis Blades didn't even see that knockout coming. So none of us could have, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a very good fight. I certainly hope it is. You know, I have to admit, you know, on a side note, I really, really laugh at Derek Lewis. You know, John Jones, I believe, said that 10 million wouldn't get him to fight. And then Derek comes out and Twitter says, I'll do it for 8 million. Yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you cannot love Derek Lewis more. And if he somehow heel married his way to the title, he'd be the best title ambassador ever. Over just, Francis and Ganyu too would be the craziest thing. He put himself in goat contention. <laughs> Derek Lewis. Oh my gosh. God, I I love him so much. I really, really do. And, but those are the problems with his style on a serious note. You know, Francis, like you said, and it's excellent technical analysis. It's actually something I was going to try and build through there as well. You know, Francis, whenever he fought even the likes of Overing, he had to wind up his shots to get the power through. But now he can just snap straight. And he's getting that same power. Whereas Derek Lewis is almost like a baseball hitter. He's got to yeah. wind all the way back just to get the power through. And Ngannou's not going to give him that time to do that. So Derek's going to have to work on his technical skills. Because even though I have tre- a tremendous amount of respect for Volkov and Blades and all those guys, pretty much any heavyweight that goes into an octagon, Ngannou's not going to give him the time to wind up and throw whereas he was able to do that against those guys. And Ganu's not going to let him do it. He's going to pressure him. He's going to smother him. And he's probably going to come in with a reach and height advantage as well. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's got like a five-inch height advantage. Yeah, it's big. So he's going to have a big reach advantage in Derek as well. So Derek's going to have to cover up well, and he's going to have to do a lot of work on the inside as well. He's going to have to get past that first long job, get inside, and that's where he's going to win or lose this fight. Derek 
for Derek, Ngannou's not going to come to him and give him the chance to land that. He's going to have to go out and seek it, but he's got to be smart in doing it or he will get knocked out. But like you said, I share the sentiment. I'm much more optimistic for this fight because I think we've got far better versions of the two fighters compared to the first fight. You know, Francis looks like a world beater. Even when he came back, he looked like a world beater, but now he absolutely does. And Derek looks like he could go out and get something done as well. You know, when he fought DC, that was kind of different. DC's an Olympic wrestler, and we knew what was going to happen from yeah. the beginning. With this fight, we don't. So it, it could go either way, but I do lean towards Ngannou quite heavily at this point as well. Yeah, for sure. I think we're all looking forward to that amazingly. Uh, and let's go ahead and get rolled on. So... The ultimate fighter, that has been a discussion for a very long time now. Uh, the, there's been a lot about who the coaches will be for the ultimate fighter. Um, and now we have our coaches, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. I don't think that was originally planned, but because their fight got postponed, those are the coaches. So, Keelan, what do you make of this? Yeah, very, very interesting choice for two coaches for tough. You know, historically, as we know, at least 90% of the coaches that have coached tough have a genuine bad blood between yeah. them. And of course, that's pretty much the entire premise of the show. Who is better? Who comes out of their bad blood as the better coach? Um, that's why this fight was interest, or not this fight. That's why this decision was interesting to me. Because these are two relatively quiet, respectful yes. guys who don't have public bad blood with each other. So a part of me thinks it's an appointment out of necessity rather than a, an appointment out of desire. And I think that's the point that you were making there now. But in terms of quality of coaches, I think you would be hard-pressed to find better. You know, Brian Ortega is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under the Gracies. It's hard to get much better than that. He's going to be an amazing coach to learn from. And look at his stand-up. Look at how much better yeah. it's got. So look at how well-rounded he's going to be able to make the fighters under his tutelage. As for Alexander Volkanovsky, you know, we have our opinions and Volkanovsky is a champion and how he'll do against Holloway and Ortega. But he's still a champion, you know, and he, I feel he gets very, very disrespected, even though he holds the gold of the division. And I think he's going to be a very good coach as well. You know, his wrestling's pretty unparalleled. And I think he's an all around really great guy. And I think whoever ends up on Team Volkanovsky is really going to end up being like sponges to him. And Volkanovsky is going to be able to expound a lot of wrestling knowledge to a lot of fighters on his team. So even though it's going to be a season with two judges who don't have bad blood, you know, it's not going to be a Michael Bisping Mayhem Miller. It's not going to be a Garbrandt Dillashaw. Yeah. It's going to be one of those quieter seasons, but it could be one very much to watch just because of the quality of the two guys in question. You know, I've listed Ortega's credentials. I've listed Volkanovski's credentials. They're going to make the fighters under them a lot better. You know, they're not going to go out with basic learning they're going to be pretty well advanced and of course both guys have great people around them and their coaching staff too so i think it could actually prove to be a very very good decision by the ufc i think they're two excellent ambassadors for the company also you know they both let the they both do their talking in the octagon instead of outside it so it could prove to be a very smart decision i'm looking forward to seeing it yeah i agree with that i think that's the biggest thing is no matter who it is, the ultimate fighter is back. And I think we're all looking forward to see it. And it's, it's, it's interesting. They're not going to have bad blood, or at least 
they haven't had bad blood in the past. And those aren't the guys that really seek out to trash talk or anything like that. So there is that aspect of it where you love to see the McGregor, Uriah Faber. You love to see all of the stuff where they're going back at it and everything. However, whenever you do have two guys that are just going to go in there and are so intelligent and, and, and fight at such a high level, you're going to get the quality of the quality of fights are going to be better. Yeah. Um, rather than just anger and rushing forward, the quality of fights are going to be a lot better. The guys on the ultimate fighter are going to learn a lot from these guys. And it's not only the fighters themselves, it's who they're training with. Um, Cause you're allowed to bring in guys that you train with as well. Alexander Volkanovsky with city kickboxing. I would love to watch a whole thing, seeing how they oh, yeah. operate and everything like that, considering how much success they've had recently. I'm excited to see that. And Brian Ortega, what he his camp is he's been with him basically his entire life. He spent two years off, completely revamped his game. Uh, it's it's amazing. They're both intelligent, they're both uh, nice and everything. But it's going to be a very entertaining season. Um, Ultimate Fighter is always entertaining. Uh, I just think the quality of fights are going to be amazing. I think everybody's going to realize that what's at stake, especially right now, uh, and, and and with two guys that will be coaching them at the highest level. This is the highest level of MMA and what they're going to be doing at the Ultimate Fighter. This is going to be legitimate fighting, um, and you're going to get legitimate coaching as well. So I'm excited to see it. I'm really excited to see it. It's You, you miss out on the bad blood, but in a way, you get another thing out of that. Yeah. And that's you're going to get amazing fights and you're going to get to see the ins and outs of some of the best coaching in the world, which is exciting to me. Yeah. One thing I, I do also love about this appointment is, and I think you actually hit the nail on the head, Jack. I think you do miss the bad blood. You know, we all love the bad blood at some point, you know, yeah. the Cruz de la Chals, you know, the Shamrocks and the Ortizes, you know, you could go on and on and on. But when you have two guys who have such little ego, they're not yes. there for camera presence they're not there to be in the eyes of the public as much as other fighters they are there to make their fighters better and i think when you see that coaching from you know experienced fighter to one wannabe fighter that's the true essence of the show you know obviously bad blood's always played a part in it and we all do love to see it for sure but it's that coaching and it's showing how good a fighter is outside of their main job you know being a fighter is as much bringing the people up around you as it is you being able to go into an octagon and win and i think that's going to be a very interesting aspect of this upcoming season you know Whenever DC and Stipe were coaches, I thought that was an excellent season because they're two very non-egotistical guys and you could see how much better quality the fights actually were as opposed to a season where it was just all about the two coaches and you had pretty poor fights in all honesty because the coaches were there more to get our time than to actually coach. So I think this season is going to be great, and I really can't wait to see it. I think the fighters, irrespective of what team you're on, you're going to be a much better fighter walking out than the one who walks in. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it a lot. And so moving on, and this kind of ties it back to welterweight, which is the first thing we talked about today. A question. I love Derek Lewis as a coach, by the way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so – the next big welterweight fight that just got booked, and this is a huge one, actually. A lot of implications here is Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, who knows if they'll get a title shot after this, but realistically, if you're just going by the books, this would be a title eliminator fight. Um, Keelan, what are you making in this fight, uh, matchup itself and everything about it? I actually really like this fight. Yeah. I, I think it's excellent matchmaking, actually. 
you know, the problem with the welterweight division is that we have two or three title eliminating fights to make. There's just so many good contenders in that division at the moment. Um, but I really, really like this fight. I think it's number two against number four or something like that. I'm pretty sure Wonder he'll... Boy, he might be five, Wonder Boy. Yeah, I think Wonder Boy, you're right. I think he is five, but it's two very high-ranked guys, and this is a very good fight to make. I'm surprised I never actually thought of it. You know, stylistically, it's going to be very good because you have wrestler against karate, and when was the last time we saw that? This is going to be really, really good. You know, personally, I would make the argument Wonder Boy's done enough to get another title fight yeah. already. I would throw that out there, but I think this is a very, I think this is going to be a fantastic fight to watch. You know, it's going to be very easy on the eyes. It's going to be very, very pleasing. Gilbert Burns, of course, is coming off a loss to Kamaru Usman, but everybody's lost to Kamaru Usman, so it's not it's worse on paper than it is in reality at this point. And stylistically, it's going to be a great, great matchup. You know, Wonder Boy against Jeff Nadal was probably the best Wonder Boy I've ever seen. He looked so good on his feet. And I expected Jeff Nadal to get in close, throw those elbows and throw those hooks and put him away. And Wonder Boy just looked so smooth on his feet. And the one thing I love with Wonder Boy, especially his karate style, Historically, his karate style, he's never really thrown to put opponents away. He's more thrown to score points and to maintain distance. Against Jeff Neal, there were a couple of times Jeff Neal was actually pretty badly hurt. And I love that evolution in his style because now we're seeing an aggressive Wonder Boy in the cage. And Wonder Boy's got the ability to knock Gilbert Burns out, I think. He has the ability to break him down attrition-wise. And he's got that one kick or one punch ability as well. But then, of course, Gilbert Burns hits like a freight train also. And Gilbert Burns does not stop coming forward either. In fact, he even did that against Kamar Usman to his detriment, ultimately. So it's going to be a fantastic fight. I really, really can't wait to watch this. And this is absolutely a title eliminator in my eyes. And I think it's a very clever title eliminator. Because this, if Gilbert Burns wins, this will determine where he is in the welterweight picture. Do you throw him straight back in against Usman or where do you go from there? But then again, if Wonder Boy wins, then he is next in line, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if Wonder Boy wins this, it's really unfair to make him fight another eliminator because he will have earned a shot. So I'm so excited for this fight. I think it's going to be fantastic. Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson, Gilbert Burns, let's have it. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. There are a couple things you said that were spot on. Wonder Boy has really changed, evolved his style to where he is sitting on his punches, sitting on his kicks, and really making his opponents pay for it. Um, he got he got knocked out by Anthony Pettis, which was pretty insane. And he took some time off, and he came back against Vicente Luque and looked the best I, I've seen him in a long time. Yeah. He, he looked vintage Stephen Thompson because old Stephen Thompson was out there knocking guys out too. And then, and then he would do it and kind of shifted to a point karate style because he was able to outpoint guys, not take as many risks. But now in this new MMA game, you have to take those risks. You have to yeah. go for it. And he's finally sitting back down. He looks phenomenal. He did that against Vicente Luque. He did that against Jeff Neal. Both those fights, he looked unbelievably good. Um, I agree with you. I think he could already get the title shot right now, but look at welterweight. We just talked about Nick Diaz, Leon Edwards. How is that fight happening? Who knows? There's so, so many things are going on at welterweight. You have Colby Covington sitting there. Um, Jorge Masvidal Usman too. It's, it's, it's unreal. Uh, so 
Gilbert Burns is a phenomenal fighter. And let's not forget, he yes, he lost to Usman, but he hurt Usman bad in the first round. He hurt him bad and, and was out there really going out. At, um, I think he gassed out and that jab was, was huge. But Gilbert yeah. Burns is definitely still in this. And I think a sec, that was his first ever title shot. He never considered getting a title shot really um, until he started getting up his career. So um, future is still very bright for Gilbert Burns. Steven Thompson's on fire. It's going to be an amazing fight. I'm so excited for it. It's a great matchup, a great title eliminator. I just, it should be a title eliminator. And it is a title eliminator, but will it be an actual title eliminator with 170? I don't know. Um, we just talked about if Nate wins, he'd get the title. If Leon Edwards wins, he's going to want a title shot. Colby Covington already wants a title shot. The, the Masvidal Usman fight, as fun as it is, really screws a lot of things up at 170 because it makes it so all over the place. You don't know who you're going to give it to. Um, it's exciting because there's so many things, but I really do hope that the winner of this fight does get their name in there and doesn't have to sit out or fight another opponent because that would be a robbery, I think, uh, especially if Wonderboy wins the way he's been going. I, I can could, could understand Gilbert Burns fighting one more just because he just came off a title fight and lost. I can see him fighting again, but Wonderboy has looked phenomenal and he's already earned it in my opinion. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's a great matchup. I think it is the right matchup to do right now. I would have uh, done Masvidal uh, Wonder Boy two if 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 Masvidal wasn't fighting for the title. But I think it's I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, I'm excited for it. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be good. It's I'm gonna be nervous watching it. The the implications for it. So um, it's the fight to make. And I think we're gonna be getting the both both uh, the best Stephen Thompson and the best Gilbert Burns um, for an amazing fight. Yeah, I. I think you've hit the nail on the head with everything you said there. I really do. You know, Wonder Boy, if he beats Gilbert Burns, he's going to be three for three in his last three yeah. fights against legitimate top 10 welterweights. Vicente Luque looked unbelievable against Tyron Woodley. Yeah. Jeff Neal, tough as they come. And Wonder Boy pretty much outclassed him for that entire fight. You know, I said this a few weeks ago, and I do think a lot of people agreed with it, which was nice to see. I don't see how Masvidal deserves the second title fight. And I'm not, I'm never going to say that he does deserve it because he's done nothing to deserve it. Quite frankly, Colby Covington deserves it more than Masvidal does. But if Masvidal loses this title fight, then he is to the back of the line. And at least that clears up welterweight a bit more, you know, especially with a Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards fight. If Leon wins and you've got three or four guys who all have strong cases to make for getting the next shot, but then it's unfair to make them all fight again because they've all earned it. Personally, I think Wonderboy should be at the front of the queue. Like I just said, three for three against Vicente Luque, Jeff Neil, and potentially Gilbert Burns. If Gilbert Burns wins, I agree with you. I think making him fight one more time is the better idea. Um, you know, even Gilbert Burns Covington would be a fantastic fight. But, you know, as much as I have my own opinions on him, I think a strong case is there for Colby Covington too. I really, really do. But I hope whenever this Masvidal fight's over and done with, we can at least start getting guys shots who truly deserve them. Wonder Boy, I'm fully behind him getting a title shot. I think this is the best he's arguably ever looked. You know, he's going out to knock guys out now, and he's taking much less damage too. You know, especially with his point fighting style that you said he evolved into over the last five or six fights ago. 
because he was only fighting to get points, his opponents were still fresh and he was taking a lot of damage because he's going out now with intent. His opponents are getting hurt and he's consequently fresher and taking less damage. And that's fantastic for him. But he absolutely is in for a title shot in my eyes. And I'm fully behind Wonderboy for the title. And then I'm behind Colby Covington as well. Even if Leon Edwards wins, I think he should be fighting one more time. In fact, Gilbert Burns-Leon would be a very good fight. I'd be, I'd certainly be here for that. That could be like the ultimate eliminator. Yeah. And then you rank guys off of that. So I know this wasn't the question that we were talking about, but this is just what I'm going to add. Assuming Kamaru Usman beats Jorge Masvidal, I think it's Usman Wonderboy. And then if he beats Wonderboy, it's Usman Covington again. And then if he gets through Covington, the winner of Edwards, uh, Gilbert Burns. And I think that should hopefully clear the backlog of welterweight. Yeah, I, that's actually perfect. I, I was I was just thinking too. Once Usman gets past Masvidal, it should get to some sort of status of normalcy at yeah. one seventy. But imagine if Masvidal wins somehow. What oh, do you no. do? What do you do? Like so, I was if Masvidal if Masvidal wins and Nick Diaz somehow wins, which both I think are not going to happen at all. But if that does happen, that's the fight you have to make. Well, what do you do with Kamara Usman there? I mean, surely he has to get an automatic title rematch. I mean, he's the champ. Like, it's it's so insane. If somehow Masvidal does win this, um, which I think there is like a 1% chance it happens, but if he does win this, oh my gosh. Welterweight goes from, okay, we're on the track to getting back to normalcy to who knows. I, honestly, any anything could happen. So <laughs> either way, Welterweight is crazy right now. Um, great matchups. I'm all here for it. We love it. Um, and I think that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, make sure you go ahead and like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, please, we are we we're everywhere. We go ahead and like, listen to us on iTunes and Spotify. Um, follow us on Instagram at MMA.island and check out our website, MMAIsland.net. Lots of new articles coming your way. Lots of new journalists, exciting stuff going on. Uh, thank you guys again so much for listening and Keelan, amazing podcast. Amazing episode, Jack. And thank you once again, everybody, for listening. Like Jack said, we are anywhere. We are everywhere. You're in Tahiti. We're there. You're in Jamaica. We're there. You look outside. We're probably there, too. No, (laughs) I'm just joking. We're not outside. That's just a joke. But we are on every platform. So please do check us out. Absolutely.